So what do you know about Tibet? Oh, this is the other side of the... Now you see the whole... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, okay, here we go. So what do you know about Tibet? What imaginations do you have when you hear Tibet? Snow mountains? Or Potala Palace? Or monks and monasteries? The funny thing is when I Google about Tibet, this came to me. And I understand that Estonians have a big passion and love towards uh, Tibetan dogs. But in Tibet, we have uh, yaks too. <laughs> and uh, yaks are more highly respected than the dogs because they're called the uh, boat of life. We survive on the plateau, uh, offered everything by the yaks. But of course, we have many other important things. So this is a Tanka painting of the most famous female Buddha in Tibetan Buddhism. She is Tara in Sanskrit, and uh, we call her Jolma in Tibetan. Jol means to liberate, ma, female. So Droma means female liberator. With such understanding towards woman, female, then we're taught since young not to create any negative views or impure visions towards our mothers. Plus, in Tibet, it's very common that for mothers to breastfeed their children up to two, three, even sometimes four years. This deep physical connection helps children to build up a divine relation with their mothers. So all mothers are considered as Tara. But I never imagined that hatred and inharmony can exist between a child and a mother until I came to the West about three years ago. The thing is, in the West, the modern education is kind of over-commercialized. It has so many standards or rules for children to standardize their behaviors. And plus, the parents follow all these so-called science-proved education methods of do's and don'ts for their children, and children feel suppressed and disconnected. And many of the times when they grow up, they feel difficulties of loving their parents in return because they are traumatized. On the other side, parents believe they have done everything they could for their children. But that's also beginning of the problem. How can parents decide how much love their children needs? Of course, parents can decide how much chocolate their children needs to eat, but the individual needs of love is so different. We can only find out that extent by loving our children unconditionally. So during the 8th century, um, our Tibetan king invited a powerful Buddhist master from India, Guru Rinpoche. And uh, um, he's also known as the Lotus Born. And uh, he came to Tibet and established two main traditions in order to offer the people the opportunity of practicing compassion and wisdom. Very essential teachings of Buddhism and very key point of bringing harmony into the family and society. 
So what exactly compassion is? It's such a popular word nowadays. From the Buddhist view, there are two meanings and two aspects of compassion. By understanding them in details helps us on how to deliver them in daily life. So meaning number one is compassion itself. It represents a limited capacity of loving kindness that everyone has. And meaning number two, enlightenment. Enlightenment is based on the limited capacity of loving kindness that all of us have. And through Buddhist trainings, we're able to extend that limited capacity up to an unlimited level, just like the infinite universe. Aspect number one is to keep a positive thinking no matter what happens to our lives. Especially when we are the victims of certain situations, our best self-protection would be keeping a positive thinking towards ourselves and then others. And aspect number two is positive action. So imagine if we can train our mind to keep positive positively, even in tough situations, then it will be very natural for us to act and react positively. Then again, we believe that compassion is not perfect without developing wisdom. But what is wisdom? Is it the information that we're receiving everyday life? Wisdom means knowing what to do in what situation, with who, at what time. Ooh la la. <laughs> how omniscient that can be. <laughs> but how is it even possible to achieve this? Of course, no wisdom can be developed without mi mistakes and learning. So there is a famous Buddhist teaching um, practiced uh, in all schools in Tibet called Six Paramitas, or we call them Six Perfections. So there is perfect generosity, mindfulness, and patience, and effort. So now, if we experience these four steps with the purpose of bringing a positive change into our lives, for example, decreasing our anger, whenever anger arises, we make friend with it generously rather than pushing it away and make enemy. And then be mindful whenever anger comes. And then to keep a positive reaction towards it. And be patient whenever we fail to recognize the arrival of anger. That mostly happens to all of us. No? And then continue with effort to recognize it, make friend with it, and analyze the reason behind it. Then we will reach the fifth step, which is the perfect meditation. Meditation in Tibetan is called a gom. And gom comes from a root Tibetan verb called kom, which means habit. So when we habituate ourselves with these five steps above, including the perfect meditation, the perfect habituation, then we will be realized with the perfect wisdom. The perfect wisdom that enables us or empowers us to bring upon any positive changes we need for our situations. 
Let's come back to the two traditions that Guru Rinpoche established in Tibet in order to practice compassion and wisdom. So at first he established the monastic system. So monasteries were considered as educational institutes at that time. So one can have access to Buddhist teaching only when they renounce themselves um, from mundane life. So every seven lay family sponsored a monk or a nun as an act of good karma for their entire life. Secondly, he established the yogi tradition. Yogi tradition enabled lay people to have access of Buddhist teachings. So yogis and yoginis. So including Guru Rinpoche and his consort Yeshi Tsurja became the first so-called yogi and yogini in the Tibetan history. So they work most of the time, just like us, for making a living. No? But they gather together every month for rituals, ceremonies, and practice on auspicious days, according to the Tibetan lunar calendar. And uh, when time allows, they also undertake long or short um, retreats with body, mind, and speech trainings. <laughs> so here goes. You might be wondering, like, what would uh, uh, a yogi or yogini need? Uh, like, what one needs to become a yogi or yogini? There are 14 different vows of Vajrayana path that yogis and yoginis have to follow. And one of them says, you cannot do, you cannot talk, you cannot even think negatively towards a female. So if this ideal situation happens, especially to your mothers, then all the women in this room will be feeling like her, <laughs> I hope. So the interesting thing about uh, female value in Tibetan Buddhism is that um, in different schools, they hold uh, opposite views. For example, in monastic system, older monks will tell younger monks that they, um, the, all the women are ugly, dirty, and dangerous. But these views are mind trainings for monks to destroy their desire upon female beauty or their biological needs of physical sex. So for us, lay people, we have to understand that this definition of female is not the main point. The main point in this context is to help monks to destroy their desire. On the other hand, yogis or yoginis in the yogi tradition both genders share equal um, equality in learning, practicing, and teaching Buddhism. So I understand it as Buddhism feminism. Because female practitioners in yogic tradition can have far more opportunities than any other woman in the Tibetan society. I received a letter about two years ago from a lady and she claimed she's a feminist in the letter. And she said she experienced learning smoking and drinking alcohol because she wanted to prove that she can do anything that a man can.
But of course, this is not what we can do it mean. When one doesn't practice compassion and wisdom, any external appearances and material values can easily carry away the mind, and it's very difficult to focus on the topic. I'm not against feminists. I'm not against feminism. When they promote equality due to female potential, but when anger and hatred are involved, then it's going very far from the initial goal. I come from the northeastern part of uh, Tibet, Amdo, and uh, the biggest uh, yogi community in this area is called uh, Refgong County. And one person out of nine people are yogis and yoginis. That's why we call it the land of yogis and yoginis. My grandparents are from this area, and they had uh, 12 children together, four died, eight survived, two boys and six girls. And my grandfather was not very happy uh, when he found out none of his two sons wanted to continue the yogi family lineage. Plus, Tibetan society is a patriarchal society, and a monastic system, and uh, all the males, uh, most of the males, they, they have a predominant belief that only males can continue the lineage holder, continue the lineage. This made my grandfather even more panic. And then my grandmother skillfully brought up Yeshitsoja, the first yogini ever in the Tibetan history, and her importance as a um, female, uh, female uh, master of Buddhism. She also mentioned about Marchi Hladrun, uh, who was a single mother with three children, but even found her own Buddhist school called Hjot, which means to cut. One practices jyot in order to cut fear and excessive ego. And this was the only teaching that became so powerful that went back to India. You know, Buddhism came from India to Tibet, but this was so powerful teaching, it went back. And she also mentioned about Sarah Kandro, who was a um, very uh, precious princess of a noble family in the central Tibet. And then she ran away at the age of 14 um, uh, from uh, an arranged marriage um, to northeastern part of Tibet. And she worked as a servant girl for years and practicing Buddhism. And finally, Buddhist teachings spotted her out from the crowd and became an influential female master. So after hearing all these stories, my grandfather completely changed his view about his six daughters and their potential in the family and spirituality. So he started training all of them equally. So now my mother, my aunts, all are continuing the family lineage. My family has been practicing yogi tradition for six generations. And uh, I'm grateful that in a speedy modern world like today, young yogis and yoginis like myself can still get in touch with the uh, ancient wisdom and to balance ourselves. So I really believe that harmony between a child and a mother can come back within practicing compassion and wisdom. The talk is about giving you a general idea of the whole picture, but individual, we're so different, and our life leads us 
to different possibilities of infinitivity, then you have the freedom and the potential to search for your happiness, harmony, and compassion, wisdom. Thank you.